Hello and welcome to the Cloisterbell podcast presented by Rob and Liam. Today we will be talking about two big Finnish audio adventures, although technically it's one. The TARDIS Cloisterbell. Imminent disaster. The Cloisterbell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the Cloisterbell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The Cloisterbell? Oh no. You tricked me. I thought it was two stories. <laughs> well, it is, isn't it? I don't know why Big Finish have um, separated these two out, although it's probably financial. Um, but, but yeah. Two stories. about the money. Yeah, two stories for the price of one. Or is it one story? For- no, it's one story for the price of two. two. There you go. You'd be confused if you picked up part two. Yeah, you would just go, mm, Skin of the Sleek doesn't sound too promising, but the Thief of Store Time sounds good. This makes no sense. Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll, obviously we'll be getting into that soon. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Uh, hope you're all well. And uh, I'm Liam, and I'm joined by Rob. How's it going, Rob? Not bad, thank you. I've had the day off work. Um, it's a very windy day. Mm. I'm very overdue a haircut. <laughs> So every time I leave the house, I'm hiding under the hood. Oh, okay. Uh, are we what, are we are we talking sort of uh, John Pertwee, Peter Capaldi, Buffon type hair or? Oh, not quite. More like. Oh, what what is it more like? Yeah, kind of in between Peter Capaldi and Boris Johnson. <laughs> Wasn't expecting that. All right, okay. So yeah, you are due a bit of a haircut. I bet it looked great though, blowing in the uh, blowing in the wind. Yeah, I just ran down to the garden to shut the gate um, in my dressing gown. Mm-hmm. I thought, crap, my hair and never mind. Yeah, w- walking to work today, it was because uh, yeah, it was very windy, but it felt because like, I, you know, with my coat billowing in the wind, and then it just just everywhere I walked seemed to be. <laughs> have uh, autumn leaves swirling around me. Not hitting me, literally just swirling around me. And I went, ooh, there this feels epic. so ep- many leaves. <laughs> yeah, this feels epic. Uh, so yeah, I did, I did quite like that, actually. Yeah. I used to like playing in the leaves at school. Yeah. Um, I really have to resist the urge. You know when you see a big pile of leaves? You just want to do like a leafy angel. No, I just want to go around kick- kicking the leaf, just... Booting, uh, booting the the pile of leaves and just kicking them around all over the place, but just like, no, I'm adult now. I can't get away with that. You can <laughs> go and, go and do it now. Yeah, it is tempting. Actually, I might do it. Oh yeah, I don't care. If people judge me. Yeah, yeah, just go. We don't judge. Yeah, just just having fun, kicking leaves in the wind, relieving stress. Yeah, yeah, fun times. Uh, been up too much since our last podcast? Not really. Um, what have I watched? Uh, I got my wife to watch The Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Did you have to force her to watch it? Is she enjoying it? She is. She was reluctant to watch it. She's seen all the films. Which she, we did watch the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which was on fairly recently, mm-hmm. earlier in the year. And she enjoyed that. She was reluctant to watch this, but she took the plunge. And, yeah, she did like it. 
she did say some of the first season was quite boring. I did kind of agree. You know, some of the episodes were a bit. One episode in particular was maybe a bit pointless. Uh, but she's liking it, yeah. Just started season two this morning. Oh, good, good. Yeah. How about yourself then? Um, I watched recently Edge of Darkness. Not a recent series. Uh, came out in 1985 on the BBC. So it's it's quite old. But um, few, ooh, I don't know when it was. Would it have been 10 years ago now? Um, there was a film adaptation of it with... Ah, oh, what's his name? Mel Gibson. Oh, him. Oh, Mel yeah. Gibson. Yeah, Mel, Mel, Mel. What's his name? Yeah, Mel Gibson was in it. I was going to say, oh, I've forgotten his name now. He's the actor, famous for being anti-Semitic. Mel Gibson. That narrows it down. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing it at the cinema and just thinking, oh, this is quite. This is quite dull. But uh, watching the original BBC series, uh, re- really, really good, wholly engrossing. Uh thoroughly enjoyed it i mean it's uh, it's it, it's quite well as, as you would imagine with the title um it's quite dark it's a but, bit dark yeah it is it is a bit it's dark dark very dark um but thoroughly enjoyed that it uh closest i've ever watched ever came to basically binge watching an entire series because usually i'm one for i'll watch an episode and i'm happy with that be like no i'll stick the next episode on really that's good self-discipline <laughs> yeah uh but yeah, th- thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, uh, watching some of the earlier versions of Family Guy. So yeah, I've been watching a bit of trash television. Uh, but that's pretty much it, really. Yeah. It's been uh, a while since we last spoke. Yeah, it has. It has. Yeah, it has been a while actually. So th- what happened? Oh uh, well, one of the things that happened was uh, I got food poisoning. Yes. Um, and oh, usually, when it because I've had food poisoning in the past, not often, but in the past, it's uh, it it isn't pleasant. But um, y- your body goes, "Ooh, this is dodgy," and then immediately expels it. And you go, "Oh, that was unpleasant." But now I just need to get my energy levels back. And then usually you're you're fine for about a day or two afterwards. This was. Oh, it just lingered. It just wasn't shifting. It's almost uh, it's almost been two weeks. So I had the initial food poisoning, which went on for about five days. Have uh, you pinpointed where it came from? Oh, I know exactly where it came from. Um, me, Mina, uh, Mina made of mine. Uh, we met up. We hadn't seen each other for a while. Had a bit of a catch up, and we thought, "All oh, right, where will we go?" And we went to a um, a well known. Uh, Food, ch- uh, food restaurant chain. What does it rhyme with? Izzy. No, I'm still not getting it. <laughs> Stick a Z in front of it. Um, Italian restaurant. And um, I ordered the vegetarian ravioli. Perfectly fine, or so I thought. Uh, can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, can't go wrong. Until uh, later that evening, just like, oh my god, what the hell? And then uh, two days later, I text my... Because uh, my mate ordered exactly the same thing. And I went, by any chance, have you got... Did you get food poisoning? And he went, yes, I did. But he, he's he been incredibly busy and he, he put it down to a dodgy 
stomach thinking it was to do with tiredness or something. I don't know. But yeah, uh, he ordered exactly the same thing I did and uh, he got food poisoning as well. Um, but with me, it just seemed to linger. And then as soon as the food poisoning was uh, was gone, it, it just left me with a very delicate stomach. Right. Oh. It's been it, well since I've had that. Oh, it, yeah, it wasn't pleasant. It's finally gone. Yeah, I remember I went to a, a well-known restaurant hmm. and um, had a burger. And uh, yeah, I just woke up and I was just ill. Mm. Yeah, really bad. It was just a few hours later. Yeah, uh, but this this is the weirdest because, as I said in the past, when I've had food poisoning, it's sort of like, oh, this is horrible. Body immediately deals with it, and then you find sort of like two days later, maybe still feeling a little bit delicate, but you you know you sort of fine. This just went on and on, and I've never had it last this long. Anyway, so <laughs> so there was that. Uh, and um, the beginning of this week that we recorded, uh, well, um, finished my previous job, all the rest of it, and then started my new job, which we mentioned in our uh, in our last podcast, mm-hmm. and um, that's going really well. The first day was it was a bit funny, as you would expect, uh, you know, the the normal introductory training sessions that you do, meeting the team, which was nice. Um, one of my line managers actually looks like Paul McGann, which is a bit kind of throwing me a bit. Um, <laughs> He could be one. There's, there is a lot of the McGanns. He's got a lot of brothers. That is true, yeah. So, yeah, one of my line managers is one of the McGann brothers. And um, uh, I got a three-hour training session on a uh, piece of software I will not be using. So that was... Uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah, that was brilliant. But uh, after that, uh, the rest of the week's been really, really good and uh, slowly starting to get to grips with what my role will involve, getting the, 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 the basics in place. yeah i think it'll there's an awful lot to cover so the initial training is going to last a a while but um yeah today was actually really rather good so it's getting better with uh, with each passing day so i'm enjoying it it's good i'm brilliant it's always good no one likes change no, I'm sort of one of those where it, yeah, I, I do kind of like change. Like the comfort zone's fine for short periods, but after that, it's sort of no. Yeah. Get out the comfort zone because nothing ever happens in the comfort zone. It's stagnant. Right. Yeah. Uh, so, hopefully, you're never comfortable doing this. <laughs> well, you know, up to a certain extent, but yeah. Was this on your CV? What? The podcast. No. No. Okay, is that the end of that bit? I, th- I think so. So we've had a bit of a catch-up. <laughs> tomorrow, as we record, Black Panther is out tomorrow. All right, so yes. I'm, go- I'm going to see that with Boopton IMAX for 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh, very nice. Looking so, forward to uh, it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting out of the house and hmm. yeah, got the recliner seats. Lovely. Yeah. But yeah, nothing else planned on my days off, just that. No, there's a uh, there's a comedy film called uh, Bros, uh, which came out only, not all that long ago, the 28th of October it came out in the UK. And it's had some controversy because it's a romantic comedy with um, uh, with a gay couple in it. So there's some places in the world which refuse point blank to show it. But it hasn't done that well at the box office. And this is... Some people are speculating that is it because 
uh, it's a comedy dealing with a gay couple, and the gay couple thing is putting people off. Maybe with some people, but I don't think that's a full story. It yeah. seems to be getting okay reviews. But anyway, I, I've been wanting to, you know, okay, I'll go and watch it. Uh, it's a comedy. I want to go to the cinema and see something lighthearted, so I'll go and see it. It's been tricky getting a uh, showing. Uh, either the, the local cinemas where we are, Rob, they've either been showing them for like single showings in a day, so it's not multiple, and it'll be like one o'clock in the afternoon, you know, when people are at work usually. So it's like, well, I, obviously I can't make those. Um, That's annoying. Yeah, but what was really weird was I was looking at the schedules of this week, and all of a sudden they got pulled. Mm. So it's, all of a sudden it wasn't being shown at all. So it's just, what the hell's going on with this? Anyway, finally, I've managed to find uh, a showing uh, at 10 o'clock Sunday morning. <laughs> all right. <laughs> In Gateshead. Hopefully you don't rock up and it's just been... It's just been cancelled. last minute, yeah. yeah. But there doesn't... I've been trying to... Sorry, go on. No, it was just that thing, because it's sort of like, well, I'm not surprised it's not doing particularly well at the box office because there's no real opportunity to, to show it. Some cinemas haven't been showing it at all. Or they've been showing it every, like just once a day at a really stupid time where no one, a lot of people wouldn't be able to make it. Or they've just pulled it. There's no opportunity. And it only came out two weeks ago. Mm. I've been trying to find a good showing of Doctor Who Am I? The Matthew Jacobs documentary. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. The View Cinema is shown it in the UK, I think. But the only one I could find scheduled was Stockton upon Tees. It's mm. a bit of a drive for. Yeah, um, Harry and I, uh, Harry from the Who Can Convince You podcast, we were uh, messaging each other a couple of weeks ago because we we both like the band King Crimson, and there was a documentary uh, film that was made and had a limited cinematic release, and so we were messaging each other about that, and we were both wanting to see that at the cinema, and uh, you know, um, just no one, nowhere seemed to be showing it, um, anywhere near where we were. Um, he's in Wales and up, up here in the northeast of England. It's just like, what the hell's going on? I just want to. Anyway, it, it is getting a physical release. Um, time of recording, Rob. It should be coming out tomorrow. Um, so I will be buying it, but it would have been nice to have actually seen it at the cinema. Yeah, it's a shame. Same with um, the Doctor Who. Am I? I'm pretty mm. sure that it's probably out now on physical release as well. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, I know it's, it. It has got some good reviews, and it, it's like that. The, that really good thing if if you've got a documentary about something and it, it may not be about a a, uh, a subject or a person that you're massively interested in but it can still be a very good engaging uh, documentary and I have read some reviews from people who aren't particularly into Doctor Who and uh, so on and they go actually this is a really nice warm engaging documentary to watch so so it it um, even the not we are liking it. So, um, yeah. yeah. Should be good. Mm. Any big blockbusters you need to see? No? Um, there's nothing that's sort of come out recently that interests me. Um, although, hang on. There's that movie Amsterdam with... Um, oh, what's going on with my brain? I'm forgetting people's names. Christian Bale. Oh, yeah. Uh that looks good. I, I want to see that. That's been out for a short while, actually, but uh, I would like to see that. There's a movie called um, 
Oppenheim, which is about the development of uh, the nuclear bomb. I think that's directed by Christopher Nolan. I'm not entirely sure. I think that's due to come out quite soon. I'm not, but I definitely want to watch that. Cool. Actually, I want to check that. We probably oh. probably got the date completely wrong, and it comes out next year or something. <laughs> so we haven't really spoke since the Power of the Doctor came out. That's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see what you thought, but we're we're doing that next week. So mm-hmm. do we hold off? Oh, Mostly? Oppenheim comes out next year. Oh well, I've got yeah, a bit of a wait, wait for that. Um, Fine. Uh, sorry, Rob. Yes, power, uh, power the doctor. I was going to say power the Daleks. Power the doctor. What were you saying? Yeah. Sorry. So we're talking about that on the next episode of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um. So, is there anything you want to say about that today? Uh. Well, there's an awful lot to talk about. Um. Yeah, one or two things maybe we'll save. Yeah, I th- save yeah, but um, the uh, bit of a a lot of people when it was immediately broadcast because I watched it live and I think you did you watch it a day or two afterwards on catch up. Not that it matters, but uh, no, I watched it. Did I? Wa- yeah, I watched it on the day. Ah, right, okay. But I was a little bit delayed, mm-hmm. and then we did the live stream the day after. Yes, that's right. Um, so a lot of people's immediate reaction going off. Uh, reviews on certain websites and, and uh, on Twitter. A lot of people seem to really, really like it and love it a bit and thought it was fantastic. Um, if that's your opinion, great. I don't quite agree with you. Um, but obviously we'll we'll talk about it fully uh, in, in our next podcast. That isn't to say that I thought it was awful. Um, there are some really good bits in it, but conversely, I think some of the best bits about the episode in an odd sort of way is what makes the episode not work. Um, but we'll we'll talk about that. Um, yeah, I've had a lot of time to think about it mm. when we did the live stream, which was the day after. Um, the opinion I gave was that I enjoyed watching it, mm-hmm. but I've had a lot of time to think about it. So um, yeah, I've got more to say. No, oh, but okay. Um, yeah, I thought about it a little bit, but I haven't really changed my opinion. So it's it's pretty much what I thought of the episode not long after watching it. So, but yeah, there's there's definitely a lot to talk about. So, what's on the agenda for today? We got this two parter. <laughs> Shall we listen to um, the trailer? Uh, yes, good idea. Yeah, yeah. Master Bluejaw, chained hard to the book of futures, wisest son of a skull. Tell us what we're here for. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Skin of the Sleek. We cannot begin at the beginning. That was once upon a time, long gone, like a dream lost in the deeps. A star falls from the sky. A man... A doctor with a box. A girl caught in the nets. A hunter who'll be hunted. Here, come on, lean on me. I'm very much obliged to you. Take it easy. I'm fine. You were nearly drowned. Did I have a friend? She's still out there. Friend? Romana. 
Captain. Well, here's a strange cat. Found her caught in the dawnward nets. It can't be. Satea cara dinora. What are you doing here? Well, I could ask you the same. This planet has a strange nature, neither fish nor fowl nor sea nor land. That's why we're here. The coordinates indicated the planet Thunderer in the southeast galactic delta. We've only found one settlement. Yours isn't the only ship wrecked on this sodden planet. Tomorrow leads into tomorrow. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. And tomorrow. Big finish. We love stories. They love long trailers as well. <laughs> yeah, they. <laughs> yes, they do. So, um, as regular listeners will uh, be aware at this point, I had this idea, which I come to regret, which is uh, looking uh, at season eighteen, uh, which was Tom Baker's final season, but not just the televised stories, but also the big Finnish audio sto- stories, which are supposed to fit in uh, to it. Um, coming to them completely blind, as it were, listening to them uh, for the first time. And um, I had all what I knew about them was was reading the plot synopsis, uh, and thought I would do them in sort of um, story chronological order, if you like. And so far, it works. So uh, this one, the with this story, there's a reference to the fact that K um, nine still hasn't recovered from Brighton Beach. So. These are still after the events of the Leisure Hive, but before Megalos. So, so far, I've been scheduling this uh, correctly from that point yeah, of view. so far, so good. So far, so good. Um, so, I had a rough idea that these two stories that we would be reviewing would be linked, uh, which is The Skin of the Sleek and The Thief Who Stole Time. As it turns out, having listened to them, they're not just linked. They're basically the same story. This is... A four-part adventure, uh, but released separately. So episodes one and two, Skin of the Sleek, and episodes three and four, The Thief Who Stole Time. Um, seems this a bit of an the odd... first time we've had any continuity between these single releases, I think. Yes, that's true. Um, and a bit of an odd choice to do it like this. As I said, I think maybe it's Big Finish thinking financially. I don't know why they did this. It should have been released all as one. But anyway... So, who are we to argue? Um, So, looking at the first two episodes, which are Skin of the Sleek, the plot synopsis is, On the planet Funderal, you can walk on the ocean. The surface holds you when you move, but if you stand still, you sink. Lights shift in the fathoms and great ships move beneath your feet, schools of giant electric eels known as Sleeks. There is no solid land... And the only locals are the wave walkers, hunters who live in floating villages. But recently, some strangers have arrived, pursuing their own distinct agenda. When the Doctor and Romana lose the TARDIS to the deep, they need help, which makes finding a fellow Time Lord on the planet very useful. The fact that Time Lord is Sartia, an old friend of Romana's, is even better. But this is a planet of secrets. Be careful when you explore its depths. You may just drown. So the cast and crew, Tom Baker plays the Doctor, Lala Ward plays Romana, John Banks plays the Sleek, Alan Cox plays Eamon Orensky, uh, Kieran Hodgkin plays Click, Des McClear plays Bluejaw, Jamie Newell plays Gregal, Jane Slavin plays Frithra, Joanna uh, Tinsey plays Sartia, and Alex Wyndham plays Linus. The story is directed by Ken Bentley, written by Mark Platt, 
and produced by David Richardson. So um, we've looked at several of the season 18 Big Finish audio adventures and um, most of them we've uh, we've liked. Some of them we have been a bit disappointed with. Uh, but most of the part, most of the time, we have ranked them as good. But w- one of the things that Rob and I both agreed on when we reviewed uh, our last Big Finish audio adventure was that even though that we think we're good, there's just something which has felt lacking. Um, and going, you know, yes, they're good, but they're not as they're not they're not great. Um, you know, when you think of you know another. Or uh, Big Finish Audio, which we reviewed fairly, fairly recently, which was a Storm Warning. That's a great uh, Big Finish Audio story, and uh, The Midnight Chimes is another one. There are others. They haven't quite fallen into that category. And one of the things that we said was um, certain elements didn't quite work. And maybe on reflection, one of the things that didn't quite work, with the odd exception, I think... Um, the Silent Scream establishes its its period and its setting very, very effectively. But on the whole, um, maybe the, the the setup hasn't hasn't quite clicked. This story seems to um, f- rectify that. But um, initially, one, we begin... one of our criticisms was that maybe the time constraints of those um, two parters mm. um, might have had a bad effect on it. Yeah, yeah, we, we've said that with the with, with a few of them, and actually, this story comes along, which is affecting you know, f- four episodes, and I think really proves the point. Um, but we'll get onto that in a second. We we begin with this introduction, uh, with a narration, and you actually heard part of it at the uh, the trailer that Rob played uh, just a few moments ago, where you know you have uh, this man because we we begin at the beginning, and I oh I'm not going to like this story. It's just Nothing that there was anything wrong necessarily with the delivery or what Mark Platt had written. Just a, it's just a style which I don't particularly like. It felt, it felt quite florid. You know, oh, where's the story gonna go? I don't like this. But uh, that's only for a brief moment at the beginning. There's a couple of other moments within the story where you get that narration coming in. Uh, but on the whole, I'm pleased it was brief. But for me, it didn't actually affect the story. Um, what we do quickly get actually is a is a very good uh, setup of the the world that the story is, is going to be set, which I thought was uh, really rather good. Um, what were your reactions, Rob, to the beginnings of this story? It's it's actually been a few weeks since I watched, but, uh, since I listened. Um. Yeah, it came it came across um, all right. Uh, I could visualise the place and the characters quite well, mm-hmm. um, and there's also a bit of a mystery there, which is good. Like, what the hell's going on? Yeah, um, uh, and we've got these these three groups. So we have the villagers who are native of this planet, and initially they could give the the, the feeling that this story is set on maybe. Um, seventeenth, eighteenth century Cornwall, for example, you know, with with the way yeah. that they talk and the way that they that they act, but it's clearly an alien planet. But they they give they have that feeling of um, there is a sort of ooh are we're rural types we are, uh, with a slight <laughs> with a slight pirate edge. There's a, there's a bit of that going on. So you've got those, 
the villagers clearly quite primitive they 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 worship this big um eel as a goddess uh, but they also eat a lot of sleeks, which are these like eels, because that's the only food substance. But they also seem to be able to control them. There's a lot going on there. So they're one group. Uh, the other group is um, Sartia, um, who um, has bought, brought a crew to, to make a sort of documentary film to explore this planet because they know that there's something quite peculiar going on. And of course, the third is the Doctor and Romana. Um, who sort of arrive on this planet by accident but quickly get caught up in events. Um, and I think Mark Platt has actually written all... Having this world made of liquid with a high surface tension so that you can actually walk across it in parts, but also, if you stand still, you can drown. Yeah, and they didn't even realise at first. Yes, yeah, so they're the walking in. It's sort of like spongy a, a little bit. Um but they slowly start to realise, and uh, the Doctor and Monaco, and there's something really odd about the landscape. It, it's sort of slowly shifting. Nothing geographically makes sense. The TARDIS should be below us uh, from where we've left it, but it's up on that peak over there, and, and then the TARDIS sinks, and th- they've lost it. So that's how they how they get trapped and have to stay on the planet. Uh, but they get rescued uh, by Satya and her crew. But uh, the, but I re- one of the things I really, really liked about this story was actually that setting of... Uh, this this odd place um, nothing stains in the same place the surface undulates but slowly uh, so the planet's floating village is you know, forever moving but not And there's just a great sense of atmosphere and imagination in this and I, I felt really engrossed in the story not you know, simply because everything else that's going on but I thought that the location was, was um, really really imaginative in how Mark Platt has written the script, but also the the use of sound in the story, and just being able to really immerse myself in the story. I think this is of the season eighteen big finisher stories. In that sense, this is by far the best, in my opinion. Um, one of the things which is which is interesting is it turns out that uh, this character Sartia uh, is a time lord. Not only is she a Time Lord, but she was a former friend of Romana's when they were studying together at the Academy. Romana. Abbreviation of the name, but it's you know, um, it's not like what the Doctor did in the Rebos operation of going, I will call you Romana for short from... Can I say... Romana Dracdra... Uh, Romana Dracdra Lunda... I can't say, can I? Can you... Romana Dracdra Lunda. That's it. That is, yeah. um, so the Doctor calls, <laughs> calls her Romana for short. So either that or Fred, uh, Satya calls her Mana, which I thought was you know quite nice, and I, I think the I quite like how their relationship is written and how the two actresses um, play that. What did you think? Yeah, um, interesting um, kind of relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. I was wondering had I missed something with another story somewhere or another range um, had she been in. But uh, I don't think that's the case. No, no, I don't think it is. But I, I know what you mean. That is that that is the problem with uh, with Big Finish. In fact, to be perfectly honest, I'm surprised there isn't a um, a Sartius Big Finish spin-off series. Mm. But it was interesting having um, having this link to Romana's past, opposed to simply the Doctor's. Yeah, yeah. And um, after listening to the stories, 
listening to some of the interviews about the making of them, uh, Lala Ward, I mean, all the cast who were interviewed were very uh, were, were praising Mark uh, Platt's writing. Lala Ward uh, was particularly focusing on this, and she said, you know, it never crossed her mind to ever consider thinking about Romana's past and being at the Academy, but Mark Platt has incorporated that in the story and uh, has done it very effectively. Um, but of course, it turns out that, that Sartia's interest in this planet isn't necessarily uh, for the, the sake of exploration. Um, you know, there's there's nefarious purposes going on. Uh, you start to realise that... Um, uh, there's something off with this uh, with this character because she's she has no qualms about using a gun, does she? Uh, no, not at all. What is it with rogue time lords? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, the the Doctor's really unique, isn't he? He's the only sort of like fairly decent one. The rest of them go rogue and just the go absolutely evil and twisted. Yeah, him and him and Marna. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, and Susan, don't forget Susan. Is there anyone else we're forgetting? Who's yeah. good? Hmm. River doesn't count. No. There has to be someone. Yeah, the thing I, I can't think of anyone though. So you got Susan, you got the Doctor, you got Romana. Yeah, it's pretty much it. Yeah, the rest are all yeah. bad. Um. But yeah, so th- there's this investigation. Um. There's this book which the villagers um, really have a high importance for, and there's they have certain villagers who are literally tied to this book that they're chained to it, and apparently they have the gift of um, seeing into the future, um, and this is the the power of the book, and they're able to see futures or alternative futures. Prophecies. Yeah. Um, it turns out that this book is actually written in High Old Gallifreyan, so there's a, there's a link to the Time Lords there. Um, the Doctor and Romana investigating Sartia's records discover that she became aware of this from basically hacking into uh, Time Lord records and basically going, oh, yeah. uh, the Time Lords don't want anyone to know about this, therefore there's something worth knowing about this. So that's the reason why uh, is there. Um but causes problems because Sartia is very gun happy and ends up uh, shooting the the Sleek, which is the the villagers' goddess as far as far as they're concerned. So they uh, they've killed their god, um, and that naturally uh, annoys the villagers and that puts everyone's life at risk. Um, get onto that in a second. One of the things uh, which I have criticised these stories for to a certain extent is actually how Romana has been written in these stories. And I felt that she's come across as quite sarcastic in most of them. Uh, and a bit of a, cr- like a far cry from slightly ha- haughty but witty and resourceful character in the televised stories. And I feel that there's been a bit of a contradiction in these Big Finish audio stories to what we see on television. And mm. I still think that's the case in this story... But it didn't bother me as as as, as much. Um, I think she's far better here in the previous stories, and I think a big part of that is because she's much more woven into the story. There's the relationship between her and Sartia, and actually, uh, the cliffhanger to episode two 
um, I, I found really, really gripping because it's it's really the, the only time that certainly Lala Ward's uh, version of Roman, I would say, feels like she's at tremendous risk. I mean, we know that she's not going to die because we know about the continuity of the, the story, but how she's going to get that sense of jeopardy. Um, so it turns out that... But- uh, Satya doesn't really like Romana and never did and no one liked Romana at the... Yeah, that's a big emotional blow that right there. Yeah, and be like whoa, okay, I I was like I knew that Satya was going to turn turn bad but the fact that it gets really personal and yeah, yeah and basically I didn't like you because you were a SWAT and everything was so easy for you and she basically pushes her off this um, transporter that they're on and... Um, Go well. That's it. You're gonna drown. <laughs> and then she she goes off. Romana's really really struggling, and all what she can do is shout out Sartia's name. Um. And it's the one time that version of Romana feels like she. I mean, one she's sort of like a, you know uh, emotionally being kicked in the gut. Um. But now she's in terrible jeopardy, and it's 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 the the one time that you go. Oh my god, she's in really. Uh, she's in a very trepidatious situation, and you re- really felt the drama of it and engrossed. Um, did you f- did you find that or? Oh yeah, I wasn't expecting the cliffhanger anyway, so came in a bit of a shock. Yeah. It was quite gripping. Mm. Yeah, so I thought that was that was really good, and of course the way that that ends of just going, oh, well, this is clearly going to go into the thief who stole time. Um, you'd hope so <laughs> yeah you hope so just gone because if that's not resolved what kind of story is that um, mm. uh, but of course it, it does is there a separate trailer for that story here it goes this is for The Thief Who Stole Time you enjoying this? you bet ratings for Planeto Ponderosa were crunching cancellation time and then the dock rolls up that man is trouble I thought I was mercenary Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Fourth Doctor Adventures, The Thief Who Stole Time. I must keep moving. Camera four, pull back. Camera three, full turn. What was that? The interference is back. I saw something on the screen. Camera three, pull back. There! Wow. Those are ripples spreading. Slowly. It's big enough to cause something like that. The doctor's going hunting, but the hunter will be hunted himself. Hello, Mr. Ralph. Struth, what's he doing here? Frithra, make our new skull comfortable. Him? Now, just a minute. What's that? Something's out there. Something new. Big finish. We love stories. That one seemed a bit shorter. Yeah, I was about to say that. That was a that was a much shorter trailer. Maybe they're learning. Or maybe we were just so, enjoying that one more. <laughs> there was less in it. Don't know what that says. Um, so the plot synopsis for this part of the story is: a god has died, a crime has been committed, and an even greater threat lies beneath the surface. On the ocean world of Fundaral, Romana has been reunited with her old friend from Gallifrey, Satya, and the Doctor is investigating the history and religion of this strange world, but events have quickly spiralled out of control. 
Why is this planet of such interest to the Time Lords? What lurks in the depths? The life of more than one world is at stake, but time is running out. Uh, the cast and crew are... I'm not going to read them. It's exactly the same as uh, Skin of the Sleek, as you would expect. So this is episodes three and four of the same story. So we, we carry on from that surprising but incredibly engaging cliffhanger. Romana's still um, in danger. Uh, but of course, later on, she she does manage to get rescued. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not a fa- uh, it's not a straightforward rescue. There's uh, the, there's a constant state of threat, which constantly which constantly builds up as the story goes. So um, there's there's constant engagement there. Um, right, Rob. Yes. That question: Why is this planet of such interest to the Time Lords? You, you're asking me why? Why is it? Yes. Um, because um, will, will this not reveal the plot at the end? Is this not a question for later? Yes, I suppose. Yeah, probably I'm skipping it. Right, okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, <laughs> skipping ahead. Um, uh, hang on, I've lost my train of thought now. Yes, okay, so... Um, so it turns out that so now we're starting to find out a bit more about Sartia and um, what she's about, which is uh, this planet has a great deal of power. Not entirely sure how that manifests itself, but she knows that there's power to be gleamed and that you know she can be, you know basically become all powerful and the ruler of the universe. You know the the typical uh, yeah, usual thing usual that stuff. one finds in Doctor Who. Yeah, usual stuff, uh, but told in a, a in an interesting, uh, engaging way. Um, and this lies in the uh, the Book of Futures, which I mentioned before. But there's this suddenly there's this orb, which is also linked to it, and the orb is where the, the main the, the main power is. But uh, things are really uh, kicking off, so things start to get a bit more even more confusing on the planet. So the the physics and the geography of the planet are being confusing, but it's it's now even more so. You're getting loads and loads of these slicks just turning up all over the place. Uh, the giant uh, goddess Sleek, who who died uh, previously in the story, suddenly re-emerges, but then there's loads of them. So it's like, what the hell's going on here? The Doctor uh, manages uh, to to find out, to ascertain that actually what's going on is time's really messed up on this planet, um, and that's why things are getting really, really confusing. So you're getting all these constant divergent uh, timelines melding into one. So that's why you're getting all these sleeks and this goddess who previously died uh, suddenly emerging. But then there's several of them. Um, and then uh, a character who we thought had been <laughs> sort of eaten at the beginning, at the very beginning of the story suddenly emerges. We don't know whether he's uh, good or bad because he seems to be doing yeah. things... Uh, what, so where did he go? Yeah, I, I don't know. Where, where did? <laughs> I mean, there's an awful, there's a very, there's a big sort of like whiplash of plot in this part of the story. Some of it you're kind of able to keep a hold on and go and right. I'm following this through, but there's certain aspects of the plot going. Hang on, wait a second. I don't know what happened there. So this character who was the first, very first fortune teller of the story, whom died suddenly is not reappears dead. is not dead so where did he bugger off to 
Did he bugger off somewhere? Did he die? Has he come back? Well, I don't know. But he seemed to... Because I, I, I thought he had died, but then mm. he said that he would saw the future and he knew he had to go mm-hmm. for kind of events to play out. Is that right? Yes, that's right, yeah. Um, so did he just hide for two episodes? Maybe, yeah. All right, okay. Maybe he did. Maybe. Um, but the, the, so there's certain aspects of the story which, which probably if we, if we listen to the, the story a, a second or third time would would make a, a bit more sense. But the, the, there are elements of it. As I said, you're, you're still able to follow the main thrust of the narrative. But there's there's little bits. There are details within it where you kind of scratch your head a bit, which yeah. is but which which goes into that question. Why is this planet of such interest to the Time Lords? Um, did, yeah. did you get an answer to that? Why is it important to them? Because it's a plug hole in the... Um, well, it's a very confusing thing. So, so basically, all these timelines are crossing and this planet was engineered mm-hmm. to stop something catastrophic happening. No? Yes, I think that's yes. Okay, great. So they um, put like loads of jelly around it and some eels, and a big eel, <laughs> and they put some natives there um, from Cornwall, but they're actually ancient time lords, but slash pirates. <laughs> uh, ha- so they are time lords, yeah. I don't know. Do they have normal lifespans? I don't know. <laughs> okay. I mean, are they are they the original villagers that were put there? Are they, as or, you, or are they or, descendants? Are they the, no, they must are be they descendants des- because yes, yeah. the The whole thing of the person who's chained to the book, it was passed down from father to son. And yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah. As well. Yes, that's right. Okay, that okay, that makes sense then. So yes, it is. Yes, they are descendants. But, but, I mean, I suppose it could be argued that it wasn't, it doesn't strictly matter in terms of the story. But yeah, is that the question? Um, were they Time Lords? Were they engineered when the planet was engineered? Perhaps, yeah. Like the eels? Yeah. Um, does that, does that make sense? I mean, do you buy that? Because so, actually, Rob, that was a really good explanation for why the planet's there. So there's this part of the universe where time seems to be uh, mucking up and spiralling out of control. The Time Lords engineer this planet as a means of basically plugging that hole. Yes. The the humans or natives or Time Lords were there to look after that or maintain it possibly. Mm-hmm. They got left there for a vast amount of time forgot the purpose over the years and um, became who they are. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I quite like, because uh, I think it is quite humorous, but it, it does fit into a little bit of what the, what we know about the Time Lords is Mark Platt uh, writes this explanation that the, the Time Lords forgot about this because this, this planet was engineered, I think Romana says, in the 46th century. Mm-hmm. And then the Doctor and Romana uh, come up with this hypothesis that it was forgotten during the Time Lords' fifty-third um, century, because the, the, there was there was a change of um, 
governments and everything became like ridiculously bureaucratic and administrative. Yeah. <laughs> and it just got that this whole thing to do with this plan just got lost in a bunch of admin. Uh is sort of uh the hint of that, which I think is quite funny and it does it's quite Gorman gas like. Mm. And it does fit into um sort of what we know about the Time Lords. Yeah. Stuffy and bureaucratic. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, but how does how does a planet with eels stop time? Um, yeah, what what purpose did Funderell's daughter have? So the, there's a <laughs> there's a lot that doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, because there's a, there's a there's a lot of intricacies to this. There's a awful, there's an awful lot going on, and when you're listening to it, you 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 know you you do get caught up in the the style, the atmosphere, the location of the story, and the characters. And the actors who play it, and I do think the actors do a, a very good job. But towards the, the, you know, when things are supposed to be explained in the Thief Who Stole Time, it, it it does feel like the story starts to unravel a bit. But you, uh, uh. <laughs> so yeah, there are certain elements of it which don't quite make sense, and we're just you know sort of touching on some of them, but. Um, but basically, uh, what ends up happening is Satya ends up get, getting the, this orb and she's able to harness the power of the planet through connecting it to the TARDIS. So she's stolen the Doctor's TARDIS. Yep. Uh, Romana's in there. And actually, one of the other interesting elements of the story is the relationship that Satya has with Romana isn't clear-cut. They were friends, but she hated her. She wanted to, uh, her to die in the story, but then later on is it seems to... Look, it willingly share in the power and the sort of like a love hate relationship that she has with Romana, isn't it? Yeah, I didn't quite get that. Like, yeah, yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, people are people are complicated and contradict each other and, and so on. I mean, I, I didn't think I didn't think it was inconsistent in terms of the story. I just thought I thought that was a just a, an interesting uh, aspect of her character, which fits in elsewhere because. Uh, even though that she is ruthless, because uh, she ends up uh, either th- either killing uh, members of her crew or threatens to do so, she kills. A, there's a character called Click, uh, who who worked out what Satya was up to, and Satya uh, kills him, shoots him. But uh, what was interesting is that wasn't her first resort. It was. Um, you know, she was going. You know, I will share in the power. I will make deals with with others who. You know, so, so and was she, was there she was a will here when she said she'd share the power. I was wondering. I think so because um, she didn't shoot these characters outright, and she's been making deals. Mm. And then later on, when uh, she seems to be having the power, she seems to be quite sincere about. I mean, sincere as a megalomania can be, I suppose, yeah. but. Uh, wanting to share it with, with Romana. She says, look, we can have a 50-50 split. And she's been consistent. That's one of the things that she has been consistent with throughout the story when she's been making deals, going, well, it could be a 50-50 split. Click actually makes the point, but you've already made a deal with the pilot. And he goes, oh, he'll he'll negotiate. He's practical. It's fine. So there is that sort of... I mean, yeah, she's a megalomaniac, but there is an element of fairness to her. Mm. So, that you know, there's... I thought that was that was quite good, but of course, you know, at the end she gets defeated. Um, one of the things which I didn't quite get, which was how the story re- revol- resolves, is obviously 
with what Sati is doing and the planet um, is um, is being affected by all these different uh, uh, timelines crashing in on each other. Um, yeah, what what was the resolve to that? Yeah, because the, the the Doctor apparently is look ends up discovering some kind of beautiful backup system that the Time Lords build, but I didn't quite grasp what that backup was. And then and then all of a sudden, everything's fine. the The planet turns into a more of a normal state, so we have mm-hmm. regular oceans and water. Yeah. Um, probably a bit annoying for the natives, like they can't walk on the water now. And there's no landmass. But I, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. I did quite like that as an ending, though, because it, it meant that the planet, which had been engineered by the Time Lords to, to, to stop some mucking up of time, the planet itself reflects what's happening. So when the planet is in a perfectly sound state, that means everything's running fine and we do But when time's running amok, that's when the physics of the planet really start to alter. So I actually thought that was quite a quite a nice idea. And with the doctor doing whatever he did by pressing some buttons at the end, which I didn't quite get, um, has resolved the situation. Uh, and also Romana as well. Uh, um, I did quite like that idea that the planet seems to get back to normal and the TARDIS was a bit damaged does that reflect anything that happens in the TV show Um, no not that I can remember because the the next story that we're going to review is finally a televised story we've got a run of them now for a little bit uh, is Megloss and Megloss is I can't remember there being any major problems with with the TARDIS in there um they do st- uh they do try and fix K9 so yeah so the people Sartia came with I'm guessing they were just humans I think so yeah. yeah and then what happens to Sartia remind me oh yes um what does happen oh to I know Sartia? I know she escapes with the time ring oh yes that's right yeah 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 she does. She escapes uh, with a time Never run. to be seen again. Or maybe she will. I quite like the character, actually. And I would like, you know, if we, if we were to listen to more Big Fiddish audio with Romana. Um, maybe, I think maybe, having yeah. her character come back... When was would, this? Would be quite when good. did this come out? 2017, I think. Um, not so long ago then, yeah. She might come back. Yeah. I would like her to come back. I thought she was a good character and played very well. Yeah. And then uh, the Doctor and Romana headed off before they could uh, get an interview. <laughs> yeah. With the guys. Um, and then it ends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so have we got any more audios to do later on in the range? Yes, we do. So bear with me a second. Get the schedule up. Um... So the the next ones will be I know that they're set in E space. Um, Matthew Waterhouse uh, joins, so Ad, we will be getting some big Finnish audio adventures with Adric. That's good. Um, I think there's four stories in total. So the way it works out is so we have Megloss, Full Circle, 
State of Decay, so they're all televised stories. Then we go to Big Finish, that's stories called Purgatory 12 and Chase the Night. And then Planet of Witches and The Quest of the Engineer. And then we go back to the televised stories of Warriors Gate, The Keeper of Traken. Then there's a story called Watchers, which is written by Matthew Waterhouse, which is an audio adventure, and I think he I think he reads it. And then we have Legopolis, which is Tom Baker's final final that sounds story. good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your your thoughts and feelings on this story then? Even though there are aspects of it in the final episode where it's uh, I was struggling to kind of follow it a little bit as you know, as we've covered a little bit, and some of it didn't quite make sense. I really like this story. Um, I think it's helped helped by the fact that it was four episodes. It's one thing that we've said with the previous stories, only being two episodes lasting an hour in in total. Felt a bit rushed. So here, finally, we were able to have a story set in an unusual world, and we were able to uh, really really get to grips with the, the setting, the characters, the atmosphere. Overall, I thought the story was really good, even though I do think it doesn't quite make sense, but maybe it would it would with repeated listening. I would certainly like to listen to it again. And of the audio adventures that we've listened so far, in terms of this season 18 thing, this is by far my favourite. How about you? I think I need to listen to it again at some point. I found it quite hard to engage with this story. Um, oh, right, okay. I don't know. It just didn't seem to have enough substance to kind of like really engage with it. Um, it maybe I don't know. The characters seem seemed okay, but I didn't think there was enough going on to really care about the story. I know what you mean. I would agree that there isn't much substance here. Because one of the things that... There doesn't seem to be any thematic rich... You know, there doesn't seem to be any, you know, exploring of themes or things like that to really sink your teeth into these stories. Um, But the reason why I really like this one... I really liked Mark Platt's imagination and the the setting of the story. And I felt like I was... and the use of sounds in it, I found that I was able to engage my imagination. Listen to that story for that. I did quite like the characters. Uh, I liked the performances, and I did. I did like the relationship between Satya and Romana. Mm. Um, so maybe it's a case of. I mean, I do think I generally like the story, and will happily listen to it again. But I think maybe it's a case of. Maybe because, relatively speaking, it's been coming from a, a set of low expectations. Because the stories, although we have, in, you know, there was there was only one story which we weren't keen on, but by and large we have enjoyed them. But we haven't felt it's like what I said at the beginning. We haven't felt that they've been great, and there have been really great big finish audios. I mean, I love their Blake Seven stories, um, but in terms of Doctor Who, as I've said, you know, Storm Warning chimes of midnight uh i quite liked phantasmagoria yes uh um you know there's some been really really good ones and in terms of the quality they are in my opinion far higher than the season 18 ones Mm. um so yeah it's 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 been a bit of a bit of a funny run this one hasn't it yeah bit of a shame (laughs) yeah 
maybe I will listen to it again. Maybe soon. Hmm. But, yeah. Okay. So, so for you, would you say? So, would you say this was average for yourself? Definitely. Yeah. I don't know if it's the story, or maybe it was just me. Maybe I wasn't in the right headspace to really take it all in properly. But mm. and after listening to the two, um, a short time apart, it's all kind of merged a little bit. But, right. Okay. Um, like the two, the two episodes. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I've got nothing much to say about it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. You can't force these things. Either you like it or you don't, and either you just... I mean, that's the thing as well. It's not as if with any of these stories you've gone, and one of the great things about the themes, and this... Th- no, it's just... Uh, this is a yeah, interesting story set on a spongy not, planet. Nothing to say. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but we will have plenty to say on ne- uh, in our next podcast. I hope so, yes. Yeah. <laughs> power of the doctor mm. sorry Liam I've just got nothing to say today <laughs> it's fine uh, I'm quite happy with that because it's just I think it's time to wrap up and uh, yeah oh. I'm starting to feel a bit tired now so yeah. it, it, it's all good yeah um, well <laughs> listeners uh, if you've lasted this long uh, you've lasted Thank longer you. than Rob so yes. fantastic uh, <laughs> sorry Rob um no, if, uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as I said, uh, our next podcast, we will be t- we're finally getting around to reviewing Air Power of the Doctor, which was Jodie Whittaker's final episode. Um, so until then, uh, take care, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye. The cloister bell? Yes. What's that? Well, it's a sort of communications device reserved for wild catastrophes and sudden calls to man the battle stations. That's the cloister bell. Don't worry about that for now. It's not really terribly significant. The cloister bell? Oh, no. Is this where I need to cue the music, Liam? Because I pulled the wire out earlier. Oh, it's fine. I'll stick it in the edit. (laughs) It's okay. Well, there it is. I'm imagining.